you know, I was thinking, I love this coming back in here. I still loved recording this, this album, I think the best. The whole Sky Goes On album I loved. And I read, I was thinking to myself tonight, okay, so all of a sudden, this show got jam-packed with so much stuff on this 28th day of September 2022 that I don't even know where, I, I hope we have uh, enough time in two hours to get it all done, but we're going to try. But we're going to go into the, uh, we're going into the astro realm to talk about current events again. And uh, it's a little bit related to last night's show with Ryan Gable, only we're bringing on Robert Phoenix tonight to do a little bit more of uh, peeking behind the veil, looking into the gears and the inner clockwork of the divine creation that is reality, to try to think and uh, better assess where we are and what is coming. All that kind of fun stuff. But there's so much other things that are coming on here tonight. And I have, uh, I have that with Robert Phoenix in the first hour. We're going to end that around uh, intermission. Don't have too much time to go beyond there. And then we have in the second half, Archbishop Carlo Marie Vigano offered some thoughts on the Italian elections and, of course, the 30,000-foot view when it comes to the big global picture. And in the last leg of the show, probably around the last 20 to 25 minutes, we've got a call with Frank and Jim Zell, who have an, a significant update on the Utah ritual abuse case, which we have not spoken about in what feels like a month and a half, nearly two months. Anywho, uh, there's so much going on that we're just going to get into it. I also want to say that this morning, uh, because of everything that's going on in... Um, Everything that's going on in Florida with Hurricane Ian coming in, and it's a pretty serious situation from what I'm reading and from what we're seeing because now it made landfall and everybody has one live stream up or another. Um, that means that all that's where all of the hosting is done for the morning show I do with Tracy, Dark to Light. So we decided to go live this morning. And I, I've always been saying, let's record this live. It's so much better. Record it live. Because there are people who prefer live. There's people who will always prefer on-demand podcasts. Let's just do it. Um, well, today we did it, and it was it was great on the Rumble, on the Uncovered DC Rumble. So I think we're going to be doing that on Friday morning. And I think that uh, now Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, I think that we're going to be recording it live. So there is officially a morning show for you all. If you want to jump in on that, Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings at 8.30 a.m. And uh, Eastern Time. Sorry for all you West Coasters, but some of you wake up at 5.30. Some of you wake up at 4 to go work out. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you... I give you a lot of credit. I've always wanted to be that uh, that person, but anyway, just letting you know. Okay, uh, for my plugs tonight, I would like to just say go to the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv and take a look at all of our wonderful friends there. Everybody from the regulars that you know, Blue Monster Prep, Secret Nature CBD, but to Lefty's Cigars, to Yes Cacao, to Nordic Coffee, which is going to have uh, very soon a, the official Quite Frankly blend. Lefty Cigars is going to have an official Quite Frankly cigar soon. I said, we got we to gotta, uh, create a cigar that captures the, the feeling of the show. We got to call it the Jester. So that'll be coming up soon. But there's so many more great 
all American small and mid-sized businesses in there that uh, you'll enjoy. And it is holiday season, and it's also treat yourself season. So go ahead and hit up the affiliates page. There you have it. Um, all right. So, uh, like I said, we have three guests tonight. Two of them come on at the same time. But let's get into our opening. The first thing we have here is a a piece from NBC News. Incredible piece from NBC News. Dogs can smell when we are stressed out. A new study shows, which is incredible because. Uh, I can smell when people around me are stressed out. Why wouldn't dogs be able to? You st- you stand online in a Dunkin' Donuts and you tell me that you can't see, um, you can't pick out everybody around you that's having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> These dogs are so talented. The, the dogs that I'm really impressed by are the ones who know when, when diabetics have low blood sugar or high blood or something. That's impressive. But um, telling when somebody around you is stressed out, that's that's it. That's simple. Well, it's, we give dogs enough credit and all well-deserved, but let's be honest here. It's very simple to do. All right, so I'm not even going to read this because we've got bigger fish to fry. Uh, speaking of bigger fish, <laughs> let's go Let's go to a, a freakish half-naked na- half whale named Lizzo. Uh, this is really just a, uh, a a great, great horrible thing. I mean, I'm just disgusted by this. It's a, it's a complete disgrace. Lizzo, she if you, you don't know who she is, she's a I don't know, I whatever. She's a she's a singer, but she, uh, that that's what they say. But she's just always she's a, oh, morbidly obese and she's never has clothes on and she just whatever. Anyway, she was at a Capital One Arena on Tuesday night, and she was performing, and somebody came out with a piece of history, a 200-year-old crystal flute that was owned by James Madison, the father of the Constitution, and she slobbered all over it in front of people who don't even know what a fucking flute is, and uh, that's it. I just wanted to say, if, if if you go and watch it, she's twerking half naked while she's playing this flute. And that's just, listen, it's us in a nutshell. It's us in a nutshell. Complete disgrace. But um, apparently, I don't know, she's a flutist. Very good for her. But there's that. All right, moving on to this now. Hurricane Ian continues to bring catastrophic surge, winds flooding to southwest Florida, and it has just made landfall not too long ago. So it's uh, it's time. I heard over a million people have already lost power. It's now moving through southwest Florida after making landfall as one of southwest Florida's most intense hurricanes on record. It's expected to produce catastrophic storm, storm surge, destructive winds and flooding and rainfall. Some people have posted video of sharks that have that are flopping around and swimming in um, residential streets because the storm surges have raised uh, water levels at least eight feet or something so far. It's incredible. It is expected to produce catastrophic storm surge, destructive winds, and flooding rainfall. New tropical storm watches and warnings have been issued in Carolinas, while tropical storm warnings have been dropped in the Florida Keys. 
Ian is a strong Category 4 hurricane. This is from weather.com. Packing maximum sustained winds of 140 miles per hour. Ian's storm surge has arrived along parts of southwest Florida coast, including Naples, Florida, where over six feet of storm surge inundation has been measured more than any other storm at the gouge or gauge location in at least 50 years. The tidal gauge there has since broken. So it's just beginning. I'm sure there's going to be round-the-clock coverage of this because if it bleeds, it leads. And speaking of, we have uh, Don Lemon. He had a hurricane director from NOAA came on with him and he's he immediately tries to well I mean not, not as immediate but this clip it starts off it seems immediate he wants to ask about how climate change is the culprit for all of this stuff and the the hurricane director just really not wants nothing of it um, he just wants to talk about what's happening right there and then and you got to see you got to see this exchange it's it's actually pretty hilarious can you tell us what this is and what effect climate change has on this phenomenon? Well, we can come back and talk about climate change uh, at a later time. I want to focus on the here and now. We think the rapid intensification is probably almost... Now, now right there, the here and now, uh, all, he, he, he slowly nods. You'll see how, how his face has just completely changed. What do you mean the here and now? Climate change is the here and now. But he, he, he doesn't like it. So he brings it back. You watch. Most done. There could be a little bit more intensification as it's still over the warm waters of the uh, eastern Gulf of Mexico. But I don't think we're going to get any more rapid intensification. If you look here. Look at his face. Look at how sullen. Now, if you're, on, if you're listening to this on podcast, then you're going to miss out uh, a little bit on, on the visuals. But look at how sullen his expression becomes when his feeble injection of climate politics is uh, at least temporarily shut down. Now, I'm sure that, that 9 out of 10 of the weather commentators who come on CNN during a storm would be more than happy to tickle Don's balls and insist that the storms will only get worse until Democrats are elected more and more. But uh, he didn't get that here, and uh, he can't let it go because you can tell he's not actually hearing what the guy is saying. <laughs> here you can actually see, pretty interesting for your viewers, you can actually see... You can, I can feel the hatred bubbling inside of Don, <laughs> Don Lemon. A second eye wall forming around the inner eye wall, and that's basically the second eye wall has overtaken the original eye wall, and that should arrest development. Yeah, J- Jamie, uh, was there ever such thing as multiple eye walls before climate change? Uh, so, listen, I just I'm just trying to get that you said you want to talk about climate change, but what? what? <laughs> he was look, he did, <laughs> he was not listening to anything he said. <laughs> he was just stewing. <laughs> What a freak. What a freak. This is when the uh, this guy, Jamie, whatever his name is, the, the, cli- the hurricane director at NOAA, realizes he's not talking to a news person. He's talking to an obsessed political clown. This is when he realizes. What effect does climate change have on this phenomenon that, that is happening now? Because it seems these storms are intensifying. That's the question. I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. On the whole, on the cumulative, uh, climate change uh, may be making storms worse, uh, but... uh, Look at that face, man. He looks like Damien from The Omen. Looks like Patrick Bateman as he's lusting over Paul Allen's business card. 
<laughs> to link it to any one event, um, I, I would caution against that. Okay. Well, they, uh, listen, I grew up there, and these storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to intensify. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's you. Maybe it's you sunning your asshole. The perineum tanning is just causing too much disruption of the weather. Listen, it's no, 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 no. I, I know you're a scientist, but you're failing to understand. It seems to be getting worse to me. So what are we going to do about it, Jamie? That's what he should have said. So this storm is just, it's a massive one. Its effects are also being felt uh, in the southern part of Florida. What about the areas that, that may not be taking a direct hit? Or anyway, that's pretty much where it goes. So it doesn't matter that most of the country's deadliest hurricanes happened in the first half of the 20th century, nor does it matter, and never mind completely, to Hurricane Andrew or Camille, which I wasn't alive for that one, Hugo. Um, I mean, th- th- there's just so much here. So much here. Can you imagine being a serious weatherman and having uh, one day having to report, well, it's a strong storm, which may max out just a hair under Category 5. I don't see anything anomalous, any, any kind of anomalous environmental conditions present, but these storms do seem to be getting worse, according to Don Lemon at CNN. So we should keep that in mind. I'm surprised that Don didn't ask the weather guy about reparations. Just throw that in as well, too. But, um, but yeah, anyway, later on in the broadcast, CNN did bring in their own weather people, and it did get heated. you got to check this one out, too. Well, did you not or did you not come for me today? When? I'm not saying you came for me, but I, I do feel a little bit shafted by you today. When? I don't remember the exact comment you said, but earlier I do feel like you were you were saying I don't even know, but I, I just I, I felt a little hurt by you earlier. Oh, girl, you have don't your own do back. all that, girl. Don't do all that. Jeez, <laughs> that's well. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Oh, I steal things all the time. It's just something I do. I stopped carrying a long time ago. You should see how many supplies. I've taken from this place. Honestly, I love stealing things. I'm going to get a drink. Do you need me? You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride!
Hello. It is a Wednesday night. We are almost over the hump. Almost over the hump, and we've got some great things to to go through here. And before we jump in with our first guest of the night, and that is a another debut. Another, quite frankly, debut. I found Robert Phoenix through Christopher Knowles, who is another one. He's the one behind the Secret Sun blog. And um, I, I've seen him or listened to him on a number of other podcasts. And I own his book, The Great American Midnight. And um, so I was very happy to, to have found Robert Phoenix through him. And now tonight we get to have our first conversation on air. So I hope that you... Enjoy that greatly, as it'll be a short, sweet introduction and very relevant. What are we going to be discussing as far as relevance goes? Well, the first thing up is a little bit of a review of this pipeline, because I think it's pretty easy to see what's going on, at least it's in my opinion. What the hell do I know, though? And then I want to go to the more, uh, we say, 30,000-foot view. What about three-mile view? What about 80,000-mile view? Well, we'll see now. First one up. Let's go back to uh, earlier on today for Zero Hedge. EU chief calls Nord Stream attack sabotage warns of strongest possible response. European Commission chief Ursula von der Leyen. Confirmed the Nord Stream pipeline system leaks were caused by sabotage and warned of the strongest possible response should, acti- uh, should active European energy infrastructure be attacked. You hear that, Victoria Newland? Earlier, Danish Prime Minister Mette Frederiksen, or Met Frederiksen, described the three separate, uh, separate leaks on, N- on Nord Stream 1 and 2 as deliberate attacks, adding, it's hard to imagine that it's accidental. On Monday, Swedish seismologists reported the detection of underwater explosions shortly a- after which large patches of roiling gas could be seen on the surface in the same area. As rumors swirl over who is responsible for the incident, one message is sent, it sent is, was clear. Vital systems are vulnerable to attack. Quote, the most important message that someone wants to send is what one is capable of doing with an offline pipeline can also be done with an active pipeline or undersea cables or other infrastructure, said Julian Pollock, a researcher at the German Institute of Defense and Strategic Studies in a statement to the New York Times. said, in response, Denmark and Norway announced increased security around their energy infrastructure in Norway, now Europe's most important producer of gas and oil, called for increased vigilance by all operators and vessel owners in a statement Norway's energy minister cited reports of increased drone activity around its coast and said that much of what he has learned of the Nord Stream incidents indicates acts of sabotage. Well, speaking of drones, here's a little bit more. German magazine Spiegel said that U.S. Central Intelligence Agency recently warned Berlin about increasing signs of possible attack, planned attack on the Nord Stream pipeline system. Spiegel reported, citing unnamed sources that the CIA tipped off Berlin in the summer about possible attacks on NS1 and NS2. What, like like Able Danger or something like that? Um, so that's really interesting. A little bit of interesting throwing it on out there. Uh, what, what else do we have here? Prime Minister of Denmark told reporters Nord Stream pipeline system 
was deliberate actions. Now, then we have this. Then we have this. U.S. blew up Russian gas pipelines. At least that's what it seems to be said by former Polish defense minister. A former Polish defense minister, Radek Sikorsky, has attributed the United States this, uh, the sabotage of two pipelines, Nord Stream 1 and 2, which carry natural gas from Russia to Germany. Thank you, USA, Sikorsky wrote on Twitter. He was Minister of National Defense from 2005 to 7 and served as Deputy Minister of National Defense and Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs. Previously, he is currently an elected member of the European Parliament. And there he goes. Thank you, USA. Um... So, Poland Secretary of State, Stanislaw Zarin, denounced Sikorsky's claim on Twitter as Russian propaganda, calling it a smear campaign against Poland, the U.S., and Ukraine, uh, accusing the West of aggression against <laughs> Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 2, which, which would be the least of what they did over the last seven months, to be honest. Authenticating the Russian lies at this particular moment jeopardizes the security of Poland, what an act of gross irresponsibility. I know. Stick to the stick to the script, you bitch. Did you get the script? That's the the better question to be asked. Now, this is a little bit of what's going on. People are, are asking the same questions. They're thinking the same things that you are. Here is a blog that I really like from Vox Populi. Said suspect identified. It appears that Russians not only know that the USA sabotaged the two natural gas pipelines to Germany, but they know which U.S. Navy ship was responsible and how the attack was carried out. An uh, uh, expeditionary detachment of the U.S. Navy ships, led by universal amphibious assault ship USS Kearsarge, Kearsarge, days ago was in the Baltic Sea. It was 30 kilometers from the site of the alleged sabotage in Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline, 50 kilometers from the threads of Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. On September 2nd, interesting maneuvers performed by an American helicopter with the call sign FFAB-123. When it was assumed that this board was from the USS Kearsarge Air Wing, and today more details were looked, according to the website, and the, the call sign was used by six boards that day, of which we managed to establish the, site num- the side number of three, all of them Sikorsky MH-605. Finally, they need to pay attention to the June article in Sea Power, where the Americans brag about experiments in the field of underwater drones, which they put on exercise, exercises Baltops 22, just in the area of the island of Bronholm, and yes, it was, there was U.S. military training there. We talked about that yesterday. That was back in June on the 14th that we saw the dates attached to that article. But in August, on August 22nd, U.S. and supposedly U.K. Navy were back out there training, again, allegedly, Ukrainians on how to use these underwater drones. Meanwhile... The Baltic Pipe Project is going live, shipping natural gas from Denmark to Poland, and will be running at full capacity at the end of November. On Saturday, September 24, 2022, uh, Energinet notified the gas market that Baltic Pipe Gas uh, Pipeline can be commissioned at full capacity from the end of November 2022, a little more than one month before planned. Energinet planned to commission Baltic Pipeline with 
partial capacity from October 1st, 2022, with full capacity of up to 10 billion cubic meters of gas annually from January 1st, 2023. The most logical explanation for the Nord Stream attacks is that the U.S. Navy destroyed the pipeline in order to prevent Germany from surrendering to Russia and making it dependent on Poland instead. Since all four referendums went Russia's way, it would appear that we'll find out what Russia's response is within the next three to four weeks. And here's an update. Some Eastern European countries are clearly expecting conflict in the near future. Poland and Bulgaria's foreign ministers are recommending all of their citizens leave Russia by any means possible. Well, um, there's that. Not surprising. And here's a pretty oddly timed flex from NATO on their Twitter. And this was September 27th, so the day of the attacks on the pipeline, here is from Twitter, NATO, the official NATO. NATO exercises present opportunities to test new unmanned systems at sea, drones, ensuring that allies can work together to counter current and future security challenges. Wow, incredible timing. Incredible. Just incredible. And as Michael Bay would say, I mean, not Michael Bay, (laughs) I mean, he is uh, the master of explosion, no? But um, Michael Tracy, he so eloquently put it. This is not. This is still one of those guys that I would love to have on the show. He is not a right winger at all. He's actually a little bit from what I've I've seen center left. What the hell is the center? That's still not very good. But uh, in either case, he seems to be able to call things for what they are when it comes to stuff like this, free speech. Um, and other media machinations. Here is what he said. I think a lot of people in this, in this audience will be able to get behind this. We know the U.S. government always told the complete truth about the USS Maine, the RMS Lusitania, the USS Greer, the Gulf of Tonkin, Iraqi babies and incubators, weapons of mass destruction, etc. Et so there's every reason to believe they're telling the complete truth about the Nord Stream pipeline explosion. Yes, every reason to believe it. I just love it. Don't you? It's just incredible. It's incredible. And but here's what one here's the real thing I want to talk about with Robert Phoenix. That is how much longer does this all go on? As I was talking about with with G Edward Griffin, you can only have so many there is a great deal that can be done under the cloud of panic and fear. But after a while when you when you notice that these two dogs barking at each other and you're caught in the middle of them and you realize, okay, well, they're not on leashes. The dogs are not on leashes. They keep barking. They seem very, very angry, but nothing's happening. After a while, your anxiety is going to go down because you just don't believe that no matter how much the tensions are and the vitriol and hyperbole, all that stuff is, you just don't believe that it's going to amount to anything. Eventually, there's got to be some, something, something that happens. People that come, they, they, they come to blows. Whether that is staged or not, I, I don't know, but it, it's it's got to go somewhere. There's obviously no no real desire on the on NATO's side to make peace or, or try to find a way out of this that does not put tens of millions of people in Western civilizations at risk of just being evaporated. We're talking about all of those 
all those horrible visions of the future that mystics like Baba Vanga and anyone else was talking about coming true. Edgar Casey. So we're at a uh, we're at a, a a flashpoint. But then again, I feel like every couple of weeks it gets even worse. We thought that there was no more room in the air bubble. You know when you're in a capsized boat, and or or I haven't been in one, thank God. But you know you know that the situation in a capsized boat, you find yourself in air pocket before you you figure out what your next move is. I feel like we're we thought that we only had so much room left before our our head hit the ceiling or the floor. But every once in a while, we realize, oh, we have a couple more inches of wiggle wiggle room. And things get worse that we thought could not possibly get worse without <laughs> the final blow being delivered. Oh, man. But uh, anyway, as we were talking about last night, there are so many ways to assess what is going on. And Robert Phoenix works on, oh, he just popped into the room and now he's gone. So hopefully he comes back. But Robert Phoenix works, oh, there he is. Robert Phoenix works on some, in some of the ways, same ways that Ryan Gable does in the way that he considers the unseen mechanics of divine clockwork to make better sense of the world around us. And uh, he's an astrologer, writer, speaker, synchromystic. Robert, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Frank. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. I have been, too. You know, before we get started, I, I just in that little brief bio that I did for you, I would love for you to, to talk a little bit about that last part, synchromystic. What, what, could you explain a little bit about synchromysticism? Yeah, to the best of my ability. Um, so there seemed to be a, a kind of a, a rampant um, outbreak of decoding. Uh, that started to take place, oh, I say probably around 2009, 2010. Uh, Freeman Fly, who's a friend of mine, was, you know, pretty early on the scene with that. But there were a lot of other people who would use things like synchronicities um, to link various events together that would be seemingly disconnected and that they would find a pattern through those synchronicities. And then the synchronicities, as they would form a larger pattern, would lead to some kind of epiphany, hopefully one that would be somewhat transcendent, right? Because that's what uh, one of the definitions of mysticism is. It, it would be something that would give the, uh, the person who would be going down that path um, the ability to um, sort of suspend their, their temporal relationship with time and space and gain a greater understanding. And it seems to be the thing now, you know, a lot of people are into the decodes and, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of really great work being done. So essentially what it is, it's a non-belief belief system. Mm. Yeah. You know, decoding is something I know I, I, I've even gotten swept up in a lot of the coziness of the whole thing. I, I mean, never, never something that I throw all my eggs in in that one basket, one basket or another. But it is it is always very uh, exciting to be able to consider that there is some greater handiwork in every what, in every instance that we may believe otherwise to be insignificant or mutually exclusive. So, but at that point, that that could be a that could be a uh, that could be folly in itself because then all of a sudden you are starting to obsess over minor minor details that are actually insignificant 
Um, but uh, but but could you do you have any I don't know any examples of things recently where synchronicity really did string together and form a, a an undeniably compelling picture that can't be ignored. Hmm. Uh, well, first of all, let me just speak to your point briefly about sort of the the navel gazing and the minutia that comes along with part of the part of this culture, because we you know it almost feels like we've been indoctrinated into some kind of uh, you know mystery school in some ways, right? Like Michael Hoffman talks about the revelation of the method, mm. and it it, it 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 feels like there's been this inculcation of people unwittingly being drawn into this kind of deeper um, occult practice in some ways, which I think is interesting in and of itself. But it's gotten to the point where uh, people are obsessing over like minor details and uh, seemingly unrelated things that somehow they're managed to kind of shape and mold together. I'll give you an example. There's a guy that I, I, uh, have followed a little bit on Twitter. He's really good at morphing images together. And there's this whole theory that, you know, the world is just being played by a group of actors. And, you know, clearly we see people with what looks like, you know, uh, rubber prosthetics on. Joe, and, yeah, Joe Biden. I've seen the rubber prosthetics. Joe yeah, Biden. Yeah, yeah, right. This has been going on for a long time, by the way, right? So, but it's become very popular now. The, the whole idea is that the world doesn't really exist. Everything's a lie. Um, you can't trust anything. Like it's kind of beyond the black pill at this point. But this whole idea that people play these different roles is nothing new. So anyway, there's this one fellow who's got really good morphine skills. Uh, and he was able to morph together a picture of Clint Eastwood and Gerald Ford. And at a certain point, they kind of look alike, right? But then when I tried to point out that there's a disparity in height, a disparity in age, um, they had pictures of them together. Uh, and there was even a time where Ford was pardoning Nixon, which was on September, I believe, 4th, September 3rd or 4th in 1974. Clint Eastwood is uh, in the Matterhorn filming the Iger sanction, so there's really no possible way for him to be there. And yet there was this insistence that, you know, these two characters are actually the same person, and there's this kind of whole mythology that, that – um, Kind of has evolved out of it, and it, it, to, it to a large extent, I think it's a real detriment too, for people that are trying to get to the truth or trying to uncover things, in a way where we can have a, a greater sense of meaning over a seemingly uh, more random and chaotic universe that seems to get more random and chaotic on a daily basis. I, I think probably the classic case of uh, a synchronicity or a series of synchronicities. And, you know, don't ask me to quote them chapter and verse, but it would be like the the similarities between the Kennedy and the Lincoln assassination, right, which most people know about. Mm. And they would say, oh, well, that's interesting, and that's interesting, and that's interesting. Uh, for me, the thing that I really got into was, and, and I actually want to bring, I, I made some charts, and I, which I thought were kind of relevant to what we're going to talk about. But the Kennedy assassination really starts off a major wave of synchronicities in the sign of Gemini um, that take place with Kennedy being a Gemini, number one, and uh, the assassination on 11-22-1963. So you have the 11s, the two 11s, and you have the two the two twos. And that goes all the way up to the next big event, which would be 9-11. We see the 11 again. And then all the Gemini characters that, that play a role 
that are a part of that. Kennedy, of course, is a Gemini. George Bush, who was supposedly on the ground there with the CIA in Dallas, is a Gemini. Um, and then we move forward in time and we see Gemini, you know, raise its head again on 9-11, where the moon was in Gemini, Saturn was in Gemini, George Bush Jr. was president. So we have two Georges, of course, his father being a Gemini. Uh, and then you have major players in the whole New York City, actually four major players in the New York City drama around the Twin Towers. You have Donald Trump, who's a Gemini, would eventually become president, Rudy Giuliani, who was mayor of New York City at the time, who's a Gemini. Um, Larry Silverstein, who barely owned the Twin Towers and the entire World Trade Center complex is a Gemini. And his former brother-in-law, who's in a bidding war with him for those two buildings for a brief period of time, and died shortly after pulling out of the bidding just before the Twin Towers fell. Also a Gemini, and he, I think, was different years, but a day apart from Larry Silverstein. Wow. So here's here's where we see all these, you know, really, really bizarre, and of course the Twin Towers are very Gemini-esque. So here's where we see these synchronicities begin to pile up, and then it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Right. So when we get into Gemini, it's about the resolution of duality and which is an alchemical process. If you go into this whole idea of alchemy, ultimately, it's it's the bringing together of these disparate elements. Right. Male and female, light and dark. Um, you have gold and silver. So so what we're essentially witnessing is kind of this giant alchemical ritual that's that's taking place on on the planet. And um, our mutual friend, Christopher Knowles, speaks to some of these things from his astrotheological perspective. So what I try to do with astrology is I try to look at patterns that fit certain things that we can begin to, you know, make some interesting sense out of it. Oh, okay, well, what does this mean? Where, does it, where is it headed? And what's happened before and what can we expect? And I came up with four examples tonight, which I think could help us understand kind of where we are now. And especially in relationship to what happened with um, these uh, these pipes blowing, the Nord Stream 2 specifically. Yeah, let, so let's talk about, well, first of all, I, I have not been able to uh, meet Christopher Knowles yet. I would love to have him on one day. I just, I'm familiar with his work, and through his work is where I found you on his uh, Twitter feed uh, some time ago. So I'm very, very grateful for that having happened. But still, um, and, I, and I love what you're talking about here with, with all these observations and and things and I, my biggest question is what does that mean too yeah because even with the even with for example the 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 Q thing that was going on for so long it, it, once everybody started getting their their uh, their minds focused on the letters the, the number 17 they started seeing 17 everywhere and of course everything was a was a, a a breadcrumb at that point and as far as clones and people looking alike i jokingly said you know when because I, I personally do not believe the whole timeline of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's life when it ended, what all that stuff. But, of course, that's another bag of beans altogether. Uh, you can just as easily have swapped out Larry King with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They look like the same exact person. So you talk about clones. They, I think, yeah, I think yeah. as we get older, everybody looks the same anyway. But... How does this, so yeah, let's, you said you have four examples, and let's start off right there with the most recent. How does all of everything, everything fitting, uh, everything that's going on right now, especially with Nord Stream, and how does it all fit in with this ever-quickening race toward global reset? Because I know that is an area of concentration for you as well. 
Well, if you go back and we'll, we'll actually cover some of this when I bring up some of these examples, but uh, World War One and World War Two uh, were extreme examples of re they were resets, right? This is what was happening. They they were they were versions of the same war with a bit of a interregnum in between them, but the idea was essentially the same but slightly different for both of those wars. In World War One. Uh, you have the, uh, the the you know the royal families, the bloodlines, and they know that they can't exist out in sort of the op open state anymore. So what happens is they wind up having this really bloody, long, protracted war. By the end, nobody really wanted to fight each other, right? It was just it was just awful, an awful war. But then what happens is that they wind up redoing all these borders and boundaries, and um, the Ottoman Empire winds up getting dissolved, it becomes Turkey. Through that, we wind up having, you know, uh, mandate, mandate Palestine, which would uh, eventually become the state of Israel. So we're seeing all these things happen during World War One. The royal families and the bloodlines go behind the scenes. They create these nation states. They're essentially still running them, but they need to have them because number one, they've got to be more hidden and more culted than they were. And number two, um, they could probably, in some ways, get more done with this veneer or this idea of democracy, because at some point, uh, people would either go into full revolt or they would see the United States and say, well, we'd want something like that. So that's pretty preemptive. Well, World War II is the same thing. It's just another rendition of that of that war. It's another reset. It involves Germany. And this time, you have the Soviet Union, which basically marches you know, from Moscow all the way to East Berlin, eats up all that real estate and you know these countries only exist in name now they're part of the soviet union so when we see these wars two things happen number one well a lot of things happen number one there's a lot of blood the wars themselves are bloody rituals um some of the best and brightest and young people um that represent these countries wind up getting slaughtered again mostly men right um yeah. so that happens and then you have to redrawing of these boundaries uh, which are very important in terms of where they're going to allocate resources, kind of this new, you know, planetary model, which in this case you had the Soviet Union and communism. And then with both wars, you have this kind of international response um, by these groups. The first one was the League of Nations, and the League of Nations was supposed to be the UN 1.0, right? But the United States wouldn't sign the League of Nations Treaty. That was Calvin Coolidge, who was president. He said, no, we're not going to do that. But the idea with the League of Nations was like, okay, we're going to have a one-world government. Like, World War One was really supposed to be the onset of, like, what we'd call the New World Order, right? That's what that was about. But because the League of Nations didn't really take, um, they needed to have another, another, another go at it, right? Plus, there was a certain group that you know, wanted a certain piece of land in the Middle East, which was a big part of what happened after World War II. So then we have World War II, and then what comes out of World War II? Well, you know, we're going to, it's, it's the war that's going to end all wars, and we're going to have the United Nations, right? So now we have the United Nations, and again, it's supposed to be this governing body, which is uh, theoretically going to mediate all these conflicts. So every time we've seen a war, we've seen this international body come out of it right yeah. and there's been there's been a reset borders have been dissolved new countries have been created and that's where we are right now we're in the midst of all of this and in my estimation the idea here as part as part of this new reset 
is to either get us right to 1159.59, where we're staring our, our, our own uh, demise, you know, square in the eyes, or the, the more devastating part would be to actually have some kind of catastrophe or calamity that either looks a lot like World War III or, 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 or is World War III, but then the whole idea after that is to never have another war again, Yeah. right? So then you would have another global agency that would come in and say, okay, we're done, right? And then instead of just having like North America, United States, Canada, Mexico, it's, you know, all one big happy marble and, you know, we'll have these, these, um, these, these business zones or these incorporated zones that they talk about all the time. So there won't be any division. There won't be any strife. There'll be, you know, it'll all be kumbaya, right? This is where all this theoretically is headed. So the chaos and the echoes that are coming back from World War II and World War One are pretty prominent. Um, I was looking at where the uh, 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 Nord Stream 2 is located, and it's a right off of, of a Danish island. And uh, the history of that island is really fascinating. Like, you can track the history of that island as it relates to World War One and World War Two, it passes hands from the Germans, from the Russians. So a lot of this is about reanimation. Astrologically, uh, the planet Jupiter is currently in the sign of Aries, and uh, there was we just went through. I think it was on September second, the exact Jupiter return, the exact degree, which was at seven degrees, Jupiter and Aries was at when Hitler declared war on Poland. Right. So we haven't been to that degree of Jupiter since then and it was on that day that the pope declared that we were in world war three and of course the, uh, the 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 poles wanted reparations from the germans so we're seeing a lot of really um strange sinks with world war ii right some world war one involved too because now turkey you've got these kind of border flare-ups in the southern part of russia and those countries weren't involved in world war ii but they were involved in world war one and in both incidents with World War One and World War Two, there's there's an international event that really you know lights lights the fuse. So for World War One, obviously for the United States, it's the Lusitania, and the sinking of the Lusitania. In Europe, it's the uh, assassination, the strange assassination of uh, Archduke Ferdinand. And then in World War Two, uh, it's the Reichstag event. And then for the United States, it has nothing to do really with Germany, but it has to do with Japan and Pearl Harbor, which thrusts us into the war. So this is really what we're looking at here is this kind of this reanimation of these cycles. And the other thing that you and I were talking about a little bit uh, earlier today was this kind of symbolic um, ritual or this this rupturing of the underworld of the deep, which is very Poseidon-like, right? Mm, yeah, very, very and, much so. Yeah, and Poseidon. Um, if people aren't familiar with Poseidon, like Poseidon was 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 given dominion over the water, um, and Hades was given dominion over the 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 underworld, right? And then Zeus was given dominion over the the planet, like the air, and then the terrestrial. So these were the three main deities that ruled over um, uh, the ancient world. So Poseidon is really like an underwater version of Hades. Like Poseidon is not a, he's not a happy camper, right? So when you see something like this, this rupturing, this fissure that's taking place beneath the surface, 
you know, to me, it's almost like a like a Poseidon ritual, and they're summoning something from the deep here. And you know, and, it's, and, you know, it's funny. I, I hate to hate to interject, uh, uh, but, but you know, I'm thinking here, Robert. Um, it w- it was probably a few days before this whole pipeline thing went off, trending on on the internet on uh, Twitter was Neptune. Neptune was trending on Twitter for at least a day because of course they have all these new they have the James Webb satellite and they have they have all these or the telescope and they have all these other new deep space imaging technology that have been um released uh, into orbit over the last couple of months or the last year or so and for Neptune to be trending recently and now here we are talking about Poseidon it's it's uh, that's interesting in itself. Yeah, and Neptune plays a role in the in the drama here of what's going on. You know, it's also really interesting. It's one of these things that, you know, is kind of maybe tangential, but it's still kind of interesting to talk about when, when we have this conversation around oil, gas, petroleum, and spills, is that uh, Joseph Hazelwood, who was the captain of the Valdez, um, he, he died, I think, like two weeks ago. So the guy who was the captain of one of the greatest oil spills in modern history, you know, he basically passes away about two weeks before this whole Nord Stream thing. And the other thing that I was, I was doing some research, and this gets us into some of the Hitlerian symbolism, is um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the oil rig, right, that blew up off the coast of Louisiana. Um, that happened on 420. Right, that happened on Hitler's birthday. That was totally a ritual. That was a complete summoning and a complete ritual. So we can see some of these things start to circle back. So what I did is I put together these two charts and hopefully your audience can see them and I'll try to make it as um, kind of, let's see. So can you can you hook me up with screen share? I I think everybody is able to. One participant can share at a time. So I mean, you're the only participant. You should be able to share. Mm, so it says it's been disabled. No. Um. So let me see if I can sort of talk this try, through with try, people. Try try now. I just made multiple participants uh, able to share. Oh yeah, you're the man. It worked. Okay. Okay. Yes, it, so it, I it I guess I guess I'm. I guess I'm the participant. Never mind. You're, you're a time lord, man. You just change <laughs> space and time. Um, okay, so what I did here is I went back and I looked at, like, what was happening on August 2nd, 1934. And this is actually when Hitler becomes the Fuhrer of Germany, right? The, there's a whole Reichstag event in 1934. There's also, on September 22nd, uh, 1934, there's a major... A uh, gas explosion in a, in a mine in uh, England on September 22nd, and I think on September 24th, you know, we also have a massive typhoon happening in the South Pacific. And what's going on in Florida right now, right? We have this massive hurricane. It's sucking out, you know, Tampa Bay, right? So we have these weird, you know, uh, aquatic anomalies going on currently at this time. So what I was looking at here with with Hitler is I was tracking Saturn. So Saturn, you can see Saturn right here, it's in the sign of Aquarius. And Aquarius is the water bearer, right? This is what Aquarius, you know, theoretically, when you look at the the night sky, you'll see Aquarius is the water bearer. And uh, you know, we're entering into a period where Pluto is ingressing into Aquarius from Capricorn. So we're at the change of an age, 
right? We were at the a change of an astrological age. And Saturn and Aquarius will play a role in all four of these uh, graphics that I have. So Aquarius is theoretically the group, right? It's like this this large number of people and 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 the collective. When Saturn comes into play, there's like this top-down effect. You know, Saturn is top-down in Aquarius. It's like one rule for all with Saturn. So we can see this here. We can see the Genesis and even the Saturn-Sun opposition kind of wide, but, you know, this is, you know, this is, if you're going to become Fuhrer, like Sun and Leo, South Node, they do exactly what they're doing with astrology. They're basically making him the Sun King. So over here, this is the Kennedy assassination. And when we, when we go into Kennedy, of course, you know, he has his Ick Nine Bind speech, right? In, in Berlin, he's famous for that. So there's this connection between uh, John F. Kennedy and Germany. And then what do we see? On his assassination, we see Saturn again, which is also in the sign of Aquarius. So when we when we see this, like we can see these forces begin to assemble. Now here with Saturn and Aquarius, it's also the onset of a world war. And what's what a lot of people don't understand about the Vietnam War, even though it was regional, there were other countries involved in the Vietnam War. Right, France is involved early on. Uh, the United States gets involved, but then you also have sort of the backdrop of uh, the Soviet Union and China who are backing Cambodia and North Vietnam. So even though it was in a regional area, there were, there were, there were more than just two countries involved, right? It wasn't just the United States and the North Vietnamese or the United States and what would ultimately become the Cambodians. But also here with Kennedy, you know, we can begin to see sort of the dream and the end of Camelot dying. And this has a whole other representation with Saturn. You know, we have the welfare state, we have Johnson, the great society, right? You can even see here with Hitler, you know, with the Third Reich, you know, it's sort of like this idea that we're going to have this collective experience that's going to, you know, to change our destiny. And that comes through with Johnson too, with the great society and the war on poverty. It's very Saturn and Aquarius. So we can see some patterns here, right? Now, if we go to this other graphic that I brought up, that is, um, I'll stop to share. Yeah, and, and I, I have one main, because obviously we, we only have about nine minutes left in this segment. So what I wanted to do, I, I have one big question about um, about uh, counter punching, what is obviously. Okay. So I, I want to be able to make sure we have uh, at least a minute or two to get to that. Well, so Sure, I'll, I'll burn through this in like three minutes. Great. Okay, so what we have here is the Gulf War. This is when... Uh, in 1991, uh, essentially the uh, the you know the coalition of the willing uh, free the Kuwaitis, and where is Saturn? It's in Aquarius again, right? And so what do we see? We see this global effort, right? They're all going to pull together, go after the bad guys, Saddam Hussein. And what are we dealing with here too, as well? We're dealing with oil, we're dealing with petroleum, and even if you go back to like what happens in World War II, there's a huge push for oil. Uh, when it comes to the to the Germans and the war effort. So here we are over here with Nord Stream and we're Saturn again, center Aquarius. And what are we dealing with? We're dealing with this idea of, you know, the collective and one size fits all and this whole top down structure. So you can see Saturn playing a role here in all of these. And the, and the idea is that, they, you know, and even here with Bush, it's the beginning of the talk of the new world order. Right, they're going into Iraq, and that's when he makes his first New World Order speech. Now, here's Neptune, planet we're talking about, in opposition with Sun and Mercury, 
and this is literally draining. Like we can just see Neptune at the bottom here, you know, in opposition, draining like the essence of uh, of, of Venus and Mercury and these major luminaries. And over here we have Mars and Gemini, right, which is very active. And uh, again, we're dealing with Gemini energy, two pipelines or two Nord streams, and then cutting in and squaring into Neptune, which is a rupture. So we can we can see this happening here. So when you look at astrology. I mean, it really can play out in a very vivid fashion. As far as counterpunching goes, I'm o I'm open to uh, I'm open to your question. We'll see where we go with it. Well, this is my it's, it's my biggest question. I think that has popped up along the way here. And and first of all, I know that this is was all uh, last minute, Robert. Thank you for coming on. I've had so much fun already. I can't wait to do a full a full uh, episode with you on on a number of topics, especially since it seems like. We are going to have so much more to talk about with this very uh, topsy-turvy election coming up and more. But, you know, we see all this calamitous stuff, plotting, the patterns you brought up. You brought up uh, Calvin Coolidge and, and uh, the resisting of the League of Nations. I would, I would actually give more credit. But Cal, I, I love Calvin Coolidge as a historical figure. He's one of my, he's in, I think, my top three presidents. I'm uh, with you. He's, he was great. He was amazing. The more you read about him, the more it's just amazing. But the one, but one guy that needs to be lauded for sticking a dagger in the heart of the League of Nations is Senator Henry Cabot Lodge from, uh, I believe, from Massachusetts. He, he stuck a dagger in the heart of that thing. Henry Cabot Lodge. So, um... Just wanted to throw that out there. So it's talking about punches and counter punches. So how do you see, or how would you say, that a critical mass of people who can see what's going on counter these overtures toward one kind of new, uh, new worldly order over another? Like, it, do is it just about that hundredth monkey simply withdrawing their consent from the system, resisting the draft, not showing up where they order you to be, or is it launching our own holy crusade against the ruling, the mal the malignant ruling class? You know, what what can we do with this information once we see the patterns and we have the critical mass? We're no longer a minority of people. So, yeah, so we have Chiron and Aries right now, and Aries is all about the self and the individual, uh, you know, the warrior, the policeman, the gun owner, the soldier, uh, the pioneer, the first responder, right? And Chiron is the wound. So we're all looking and addressing our wounds as individuals, you know, that, and that we, what we have to do is we have to be able to operate through our wound and understand that we are greater than the sum of who, who we think we are, right? I mean, I believe that when Jesus said, you can do this and more, that he was giving us the true gospel. And that's what we need to get in touch with, right? We need to be able to get in touch with that thing inside of us that aligns us with our true north, which is our, our, our spiritual relationship with God. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. And then once you do that, you begin to act from that place. And whatever that place is, right? Like it could be a place where you have to tell an uncomfortable truth or it's a place where you can listen to somebody and console them, or it's a place where you have to face yourself and your hubris, or it's a place where you can be funny and, you know, uh, kind of take the, take the, you know, the air out of something, right? Like there's many masks of God, right? It's not just, you know, we're going to put on this Christian face and, and, you know, onward Christian soldier. But when you do that, when we do that, then I think really interesting things happen, you know, and part of this is turning away from these, 
ideas that somebody's going to come and save us, whether it's Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or or uh, Vladimir Putin or whoever, right? Like it's on us. But once it's on us, then then it's incumbent upon us to understand our operating system. So you know we have to you know really look at how we are in the world. What are we building? What are we creating? Are are we are we living with an eternal flame of truth? Are we creating harmony and bridges? Or are we getting embroiled in conflicts and polarization that just have us spin our wheels, right? So I think that's really where it starts. And out of that, you know, maybe we could have some kind of um, or organic and novel uh, gathering of forces that we can't even comprehend at this moment. Like we're in a place without a map, right? This is where we are. We're off the road right now. Hmm. So when we're off the road, we're going to have to look at and deal with these things very differently. So maybe the hundredth monkey uh, piece that you that you you uh, you sampled there. Maybe that's part of the equation. I'd like to think it is. I, I just think that we're going to have to evolve and become way more novel than we are now. In order to do that, we're going to have to question things. We're going to have to unplug from certain things, and we're going to have to affirm things inside of ourselves that might be difficult or even scary at times. But at the end of the day, you know, we're going to have to learn how to love each other, right? Even if we don't like each other. We're gonna have to learn how to love each other because we're being just cooked, you know, in this, um, you know, this crucible of fear, right? And by the way, love doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's all warm and fuzzy either, right? Love can be pretty intense. And you can say things to people or share things with people in a loving place that they may not always wanna hear. So, I mean, this is just my own personal philosophy. I don't have a grand plan or a grand design, but I feel like if we can get to that place, really lock into our internal guidance systems we'll lock into other people that have their own internal guidance systems like you and i to sort of magnetize to each other through space and here we are right mm. i think in some ways we're living the model i i can't think of a better way to end this call there's there's so much to unpack there but it's all so awesome um and it uh, it mirrors a lot of my own personal thoughts on things and, and i'll get around to that uh, summing up my thoughts on the other side of the break here but robert thank you for joining us tonight uh, I have your your URL in the description of the episode, robertphoenix.com. Can you let everybody know about your broadcast schedule and how uh, and, and what else they can find on your website? Sure. So my broadcast schedule, I have a show that I do Tuesday through Thursday uh, at 9, 11 a.m. It's on my website. It's kind of a long title. It's called 15 Minutes of Flame, but the of is OV because the OF was taken. Uh, <laughs> so I stream live off of that. And then I also stream live on Rumble. I have a Rumble channel, so I do it simultaneously. Um, and then on, on Friday, I have a YouTube channel called The Friday Farcast. And then I, I do interviews with people. I'd love to have you on one of these days, too. That You'd be a great guest. Oh, anytime. Um, Any, that'd be great. Yeah. Honor. Yeah, so that's what I do on Friday. That's on 12 noon, uh, 11th House on YouTube, Central Time. And then Sunday night, I do an astrology show about 6 p.m. Central for about three hours. Uh, so I do that. My website... I used to do a lot of writing. I've got a lot of older articles on my website. You can probably skim through them and find some interesting things. Um, I need to do a bit more there. Um, mostly my work has been, you know, doing this, doing the streaming stuff. Well, you do a great job, and I'm glad that we finally broke the ice, and I'm looking forward to more appearances, and we can we, at the end of the year, or at the end of many years, who knows how large the serial of... Uh, Robert Phoenix appearances on Quite Frankly will be, but I'm looking forward to it, and thanks for everything tonight, Robert. 
Yeah, thank you very much, Frank. And I'll I'll, uh, I'll see you I'll see you on the other side. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Uh Robert Phoenix. Now, I uh man, there's so much good stuff there. And I will bring it up, Some all those thoughts on the other side of the intermission. I want to keep things moving along because we are making fantastic time right now. So don't go anywhere. We're going to read through some super chats. Uh, we got a new letter from Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano on Italy's election of Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney. And then we'll uh, end with a roundup call from the Zells on the topic of the Utah ritual abuse case that we have not heard from uh, we not have heard anything about from them in a little while, but there's something pretty interesting to talk about on that, in that respect. So uh, in the break, yeah, you can go to the bathroom. You can grab yourself a refreshment, but you can also send in some thoughts to, quite frankly, superchat.com. That's a universal superchat. No matter where you're watching, you can go to, quite frankly, superchat.com and just throw your thoughts in the tip cup for a dollar. That's all it takes. Get on in there. But uh, thank you for the support. Thank you for everything. And thank you, Robert Phoenix. RobertPhoenix.com. We'll be right back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I yeah. agree. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? I'll tell you, um, a great call. Crackling over here. That track over there on the mixer is a little screwed up. I wonder what the hell's going on. I'll have to clean it. Um, a lot to unpack there.
You know what I loved about that last answer that he gave me to the question of what do we do when we know when a critical mass of people are able to identify the patterns and they know what is being tried, what's being attempted, and by whom? And it get back it gets back to I think an old an old bit of advice I try to follow all the time and that I've shared on the show when people have asked me, you know, what do we do, uh, uh, what, what do we, you know, okay, we know all this stuff, but what do we do now? It's really just as easy as, I mean, it's not, and it's not simple, but it is as easy as knowing that we have to speak when we get the chance to speak, to say something. You got to be able to act when you have the opportunity to act on something. You you'll know when the time to act is there. You see something going on. You you have an opportunity to do something. You might be alone, but there might be other people just like you. And suddenly you're uh, spontaneously with others, with with brothers and sisters in arms. Now I'm not talking about acting even in a militaristic sense. I'm just talking about anything, anything that calls you into action. That you inspired action, whatever it is, just to go and uh, and go with it, and and in the meantime, in between those little opportunities where you have a moment to say something, to share a little something, to give somebody—I mean, even to just be pleasant to someone who hasn't been around pleasant things in a while. You know, you ever you ever be around even someone that you don't really know? You can tell they're having a bad day or something's screwing with them, and you just want to just want to throw an arm around their shoulders. Obviously, you don't do that. You'll probably get into a fight, but you find little ways to to inject things into your experience and other people's experience that that may, maybe turns the tide for even just an individual. Forget about trying to change the fate of a nation. You know, that's. Uh, that's a bridge too far, but you act when you can, you speak when you can, and then in between, you just commit to enjoying your life because it's going by really quick. It's going by really, really quick, and there is so much bad shit that we are invited to hyper-focus on that robs you of your sanity, robs you of your happiness, and robs you of your ability to calm down and see the little good, the little things in your life that are good, and the little things in your life are, are the biggest things there are, to be honest. They're the things that stick with you the most. So, I like that. I like that ending right there. And a great call overall. Great trip through history from just a different perspective. All right, here is a uh, super chat, a message from Grady, who is a who is a sponsor of the show. Hi, Frank. Finally able to sign up. Could you wish a happy birthday to my roommate, Phoenix? Isn't that appropriate tonight? My roommate, Phoenix, on Wednesday, the 29th. Happy birthday, Phoenix. Or the 28th. Today's the 28th. It's your birthday, Phoenix. We love your show, and she's the one who turned me on to it. Thank you so much. That makes me feel great. Happy birthday, Phoenix. I want to hear all about what you guys did tonight. Let me know. I wanted to uh, share in the joy, so enjoy it. All right, moving on to our Super Chats. Super Chat, quite frankly, superchat.com. 
Mike and Robin are out there. Say, great show tonight. Thank you, Mike and Robin. We're not done yet. Stove Stoves is Frank. Evening, my good man. Just a little contribution for a great show as always. Thank you. Great guests. Claire Bear says, shout out to Frank and all the Franklies. You know what's sad? Um, Claire. Claire is the one who won the last raffle, the giveaway where I had my drumstick and the set list from the August 18th gig that me and the band played. She won the set list and the drumstick. The package arrived at her place a couple of days ago, and all it had inside was the set list. Someone felt a a beat-up drumstick ripped it open and took it. They probably realized it was trash and just threw it away and just destroyed the entire sanctity of the gift. This has been going on a lot, though. I didn't tell you guys about this, and maybe you have your own stories, but the this is not just relegated all of the all of the um, the mail fraud and shit like that, opening up the theft, all that. We already know that people have made uh, a, a life new new uh, line of work going from doorstep to doorstep and stealing everybody's boxes, seeing what's in them and reselling them and throwing out the rest. We already know about the train tracks in Los Angeles, how it is just littered with stolen and looted Amazon merchandise. All the Amazon paper all over the place, like uh, a ton, a ton and a half of stolen merchandise wrapping and boxing all over the place. But as people become more and more, I don't know, disgraceful, more and more confident in their, I don't know, I don't know, how do you, how do you describe it? You go and pick a word for me. But it's going on all over the place. It's not just Amazon. People are having the USPS just ripped open. I've had a couple of letters, a couple of letters from the post, you know, because, you know, with the um, the PayPal, not the PayPal, the Patreon and the Subscribe Star, all the monthly support tiers, there are some monthly tiers that you, there are still openings. You guys and gals can go and, and uh, jump into them where you become a pen pal of mine, and I'm either typing pen uh, letters to people, and we're going back and forth, or I'm handwriting letters to people, and we're going back and forth. Well, in the last month, there have been two people who have not gotten the letters that I sent them. And I believe it's because they're getting ripped open and people are looking for checks. Because check fraud and everything else like that that's going on is happening. When I was on vacation, when I was on vacation with Lauren and the baby, on September, I think on August, the last day in August or the first day in September, it was one, like I had maybe two days left in South Carolina. I got a notification from my bank that two large checks were just cashed, sent to some, I don't know, some cosmetic woman on Etsy or something like that. Check fraud. And someone had gone and taken, opened up our mail, and they took a check that we had written to the DMV and a check that we had written to a doctor's office, whited everything out, forged in everything else that they wanted, gave themselves a nice little payday, 
and then uh, and cashed it. Now, thankfully, the bank was able to resolve it, and uh, and we were able to get our money back quickly. But as we saw from local headlines, that this has been going on a lot. I mean, it's I don't know. I uh, definitely don't send checks in the mail anymore <laughs> to when you're you're paying off your DMV shit. But man, I don't know. Seeing Claire jumping up in the in the in the PayPal or the uh, the super chats that just made me think about that. It's getting getting bad out there, folks. Incompetent hands says just north of Tampa, things will get interesting tonight. But luckily, it made landfall further south than originally thought. The constant fear porn all week has been rem- reminiscent of COVID, though. Blessings to Chris Ann Hall and all of the Florida Franklies. Yes, blessings to all of them. Uh, I know that Rich Barris and his family are not there, but I hope that Chris Ann is doing well. I've not spoken with her. And here's an hour ago from Brother Noomsy. That's my boy Joel, and he's in Florida as well, so I hope he's doing well. Brother Noomsy says, Frank, thanks for always great shows, and to all the Franklies in Florida, if you are aren't uh, if you are or aren't listening tonight, hope you are in safe dealing with Ian in the best way you know how. Peace, my brothers and sisters. Joel is a very good man. He's a good man, and I can't wait to uh, jump onto PlayStation with him again and and uh, do battle in a galaxy far, far away. Far, far away from Florida, where the wind blows hard. Okay, now let's go over to Rumble. Brian Frank says that Tory, Tory says, won her Ohio Supreme Court case and is finally on the ballot for Secretary of State. Well, good luck, Tory. I'm sure we'll hear something about that. That that would be a November election. Time to hit the ground running. It's almost October, but that's great news. Great news. Unpilled on Foxhole. Remember, it is Wednesday night, so it is Rabbit Hole Wednesdays after the show concludes at nine o'clock. So if you're watching on, if you're watching this live, no matter where you're watching the seven o'clock show. At 9 o'clock, open up a browser tab to quitefrankly.tv and settle in for the night. Uh, the boys at the network are going to take care of you, I'm sure. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Robert Sarns, thank you. Paulie says Robert is priest-like. Next time, ask him about stigmata. Robert Phoenix? Ask Robert Phoenix about stigmata? And then Paul, he says, Rumble crapped out tonight. It crapped out again? Yeah, there's half of the people that were watching just a couple of minutes ago. What the fuck is going on with Rumble the last two nights? I know that it's not just me. I saw yesterday morning on Twitter, Steven Crowder had put out a tweet saying that Rumble is down and that that day's broadcast was going to be back on YouTube instead because, you know, there's a major migration of people over to Rumble. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just... They're taking on millions of new users and creators every day. And it's just, it's just, I'm hoping it's just some growing pains. I have to imagine that's all it is. Please do not be, um, do not be in any way, shape or form discouraged about setting up a secondary account on Rumble. If you are a YouTube user for this show and others, because this is the, this is at least one more step into that future of, um, you know, being 
a little bit more off uh, off the beaten path. Not too much off the beaten path. It's it's becoming a huge thing. So I'm sure down the road, Rumble's going to have political problems of its own. But still, for now, it's an incredible way to stay in touch and to get off of the YouTube morphine drip. All right. With that being said, thank you guys. Let's move on to something else. Now, I have this. On Monday, remember I said that when it came to the election, these elections in Europe, always said, number one, consider the Overton window. What is, first of all, what does the media believe is far right? So when everybody says something far right, fascism, all that shit, which is, it's impossible. If you actually know what the hell's going on, if you know political philosophy, even moderately well, then you understand that there's no way for someone to be a far-right fascist. Because the farther right you go, the less government there is. So it's very hard to have centralized control over everything when you are far-right. I'm far-right, technically. But you can't say that any of my philosophies are going to put uh, to create a, a, a pocket of power, of autonomous power over anybody else. So, um... That's number one, okay? Whenever we talk about far right, far left, we are usually talking about the evil twin sisters of communism and fascism, which is all very, very heavily built upon centralized control over the means of production, the people. They just take different approaches. One is more global. One is more class warfare. The other, the one is more about nation-centric. They are both expansionary in their respects. There's, there's all different types of things, but they are evil twin sisters, Always remember that. But, of course, Georgia Maloney is a far-right crazy, as they say. Now, we listened to a little bit of her speeches. We are talking a little bit about her in general. And I'm sure that, you know, we're going to learn as time goes on, because we're not, we're not, really, we're not Italian nationals. We're just seeing this from afar. And if you do a little bit of digging, like I did, a little bit of digging, then you start seeing, you learn about their policies. And you see policies that you don't like, and they'll we'll find associations with certain people that we find dubious. And, um, you know, I, I said right off the bat, there's her support of the NATO position in the war on, in Ukraine. She's against late-term abortion, but in favor of government-funded abortions from others who are too poor for, you know, to support the child. Uh, I guess that's a little bit earlier on in in the in the pregnancy or something. So she's not a completely against that. I know that would be a, a hard sell for a lot of people here. And if you did vote for her, that'd be one of those things you plug your nose on. But regardless, just like with people's varied levels of suspicion of Donald Trump, as I said, when we hear those those very invigorating and based speeches that you give, regardless of what is behind a person, even though it is important to consider, because you want to, you wonder, is this a, a willing plant? Is she a unwilling or unwitting plant and puppet? Is it someone who is just, I don't know what's going on. But the planting of seeds in the hearts and minds of people who need to hear someone else call out what we are all witnessing together uh, in one way or another, that, that is a very, very incredible thing. Like Donald Trump's speech at Mount Rushmore, that 4th of July 2019, I think that, or, or 
I think it was 2019. Incredible stuff. That was incredible. I was like, this is the stuff we've been we've been losing out on for so many years because we are in this cultural flattening, the steamrolling phase of our culture, and that 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 reaches into faith, that reaches into family, reaches into everything, love of country, and she hits on all those three main tenets. So, in no way, shape, or form should anybody be taken up as a savior or a saint. But um, anyway. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano publicly addressed the issue yesterday, and I would like to read it here because I always find his encyclicals extremely satisfying since he, he really keeps the larger plot, the, the bigger picture in frame at all times. It's a few pages long, but I think we'll get it through. We'll get through it nicely. Then we'll take a quick break. When we come back, the Zell should be on, and that'll take us right to the end. And if I time this out perfectly, I'm going to be so happy with myself, so satisfied. My dinner will taste amazing because I will have done something right. Here is the headline from the Gateway Pundit, and they'll go, we'll go right into the written speech. Many people are becoming aware of the very serious coup d'etat that is being carried out by supranational powers. Great words, supranational. Archbishop Vigano on the election of Georgia Maloney. Let's jump into it, shall we? Some considerations on the current political situation in Italy. Here we go. The new political situation that emerges from the recent elections confirms the common feeling, confirms the common feeling of the electorate that some were able to grasp in advance. After two years of disturbing violations of the most elementary rights, and after two governments that have shown us that there are simply, they are simply obeying the orders of supranational entities who act against the interests of Italy and the Italian people, the vote that has brought into power the so-called center-right led by the political party Fratelli d'Italia has unequivocally expressed support for a precise political line that goes far beyond the modest proposals of the program of coalition parties. This is evident above from all the fact that within this alliance there has been a redistribution of consensus in favor of that party that has been in, uh, instinctively deemed worthy of the vote as the only opposition party, a very moderate opposition but still an opposition more in the perception of the average citizen than in reality. The so-called anti-system parties, fragmented and convinced that they could overcome the 3% barrier that would have permitted them sitting in Parliament, uh, have about 1 million voters when taken all together. This is due both to the decision, by no means a coincidence, of the resigning government to convene the electoral rallies in the middle of the summer. As well, as to the very low visibility granted to them by the mainstream media and to the lack of consistency of their program, whose credibility and feasibility seems unconvinced, seemed unconvinced and therefore destined to the dispersion of the vote. Another hard-hearted guest is the abstentionist party, which stands at around 36%, but which sees itself within itself different and opposite motivations difficult to reduce a simply a generic dissent. It is therefore completely out of place, in my opinion, to want to uh, connote abstention politically, attributing its representation in phantom uh, 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 non-voting parties precisely because the, vote, the choice not to go to the polls also implies the choice of not having any political representation. 
Certainly, most of the abstainers express the will not to accept taking part in a game, so to speak, in which the rules are decided by others. But to these, but to these must also be added those who do not vote due to trivial disinterest or more simply, and this seems to be the case of the majority, because they are disgusted by a political class that has proven to be unworthy and corrupt beyond words. In this, Fratelli d'Italia was partly saved because of it, had the caution, uh, uh, because of it, had the caution to remain in the opposition, often inert or complicit, but at least officially outside the Draghi government. So here again, he's talking about in other countries, we know the situation well in the United States. He, we know the situation well in the United States where we're just like the lesser of two evils. Do we want to keep talking about the lesser of two evils? Is this really, is this really where we're going? Is this really something that is a a help for where we're going in the future? Um, but anyway, anyway, I digress. Let's go in here. We're going to page three now. According to some observers, new movements, either deliberately or simply allowing themselves to be used by the system, have merely formed a fictitious opposition, making them prefer the logic of holding their noses by voting, voting for Fratelli d'Italia. But, um, but in truth, there are actually two fictitious oppositions, one internal to the system, Atlanticist and pro-European, and one external and divided into various parties nominally anti-European and anti-Atlanticist, but composed of characters with a past that is inconsistent, to say the least, with the new programs. Now, a lot of this, where he, what he's going to go into, is going to tie in, at least in a, um, in a, uh, a superficial way to what Robert Phoenix was going into. Many candidates of these anti-system movements were certainly honest people, largely uh, Homines Novi, but it is undeniable that their presence has failed to convince those who consider it urgent not only to give a si signal of strong discontent, but to see this discontent translate in the short term into incisive and determined government actions that remedy the disasters of the two previous legislatures. Lega and Forza Italia have a significant hemorrhage of voters, in my opinion motivated by prostration of their leaders and key figures on the pandemic narrative and the Ukrainian crisis. Matteo Salvini and Silvio Berlusconi decided to obey the European Union, the WHO, NATO, and the diktats of their World Economic Forum puppet masters. An evil choice, as we have seen, which has been severely punished at the polls, but which remains largely shared by Giorgia uh, Meloni, who is a member of the Aspen Institute, which is part of the Rockefeller Foundation, and is openly Atlanticist and pro-European. See, there's a little bit of that, uh, those um, dubious associations we we're talking about. In essence, the disconnect between voters and elected representatives, between citizens and political class, has been repeated in the form of desire, so to speak, attributing to Fratelli d'Italia a role that the party itself has declared for weeks that it does not want to assume, since it does not intend to question either the policies of the European Union or the aims of NATO and the American deep state. It is as if the average Italian had decided to vote for Maloney despite 
her being openly in continuity with the Draghi agenda as if to force her hand so that by virtue of an overwhelming majority, she gets bold and takes those steps that until the eve of the elections she promised not to take. And just as if there are some who fear that Maloney will behave like a fascist and who for this reason cry out for the dramatic uh, democratic emergency threatening expatriation, so there are many, certainly all the voters of Fratelli d'Italia, who hope and pray that she acts as an Italian, as a patriot, and as a Christian. This is almost like what we were talking about with, uh, it's, almost, it's exactly like what we were talking about with the confirmation of, of Amy Coney Barrett. Some people were really excited about another, just another opportunity to get another ass in the seat of the Supreme Court. Others excited in particular about her. At first, I was too. And then Chris Ann Hall kind of threw cold water on my enthusiasm, and rightfully so, because we were hoping and praying. Is this going to be someone who toes the line and sides with bad precedent, as if precedent is law in a constitutional republic, or is this going to be someone who actually learned a few things while she was clerking for uh, Justice Scalia and as a Christian and as a patriot and all that stuff? That's what we were hoping. Maybe the fire of action will have to be felt once they're in the big seat and they're off of the campaign trail with all those known associations out there in the ether or out there in the public, I should say. Continuing. Uh, and that they will be, uh, and that they will, uh, and that they will know how to overlook the fact that in order to get to the Palazzo Chigi, the see of the Prime Minister, she gave reassurances that in reality she could deny in fact. It remains to be seen whether the first woman Prime Minister will be able to distinguish herself from her predecessors or if she will prefer to bow to the deep state and continue the betrayal of the Italian people. On the other hand, if the democratic vote must sanction those who represent the will of the sovereign people, Maloney herself cannot fail to take into account the fact that her voters demand radical choices from her and that they consider her pre-election mod- uh, uh, moderation simply as a strategic move to reassure the markets. Choices that have even many members of Lega and Forza Italia would look upon favorably beyond the vaccine or warmongering zeal of this or that parliamentarian or governor. Salvini's own words of remorse just a few days before the vote regarding the approval of lockdowns and the vaccine obligation betray his awareness that the deliberate suicide of these parties by their leaders has been badly digested by the grassroots. The same thing is that happening in Fratelli d'Italia, where Maloney's position on sending arms to Ukraine and on sanctions against the Russian Federation is not shared by one part of her party, both because it is blatantly self-defeating and because it is based on the false supposition that the international interlocutors uh, will remain the same without any significant changes. It is not uh, It is not absolutely certain that the Democrats will retain power in the U.S. midterm elections in November or that the investigations of special counsel John Durham will not involve Biden and his family, along with other Democrat politicians in the scandals that are now emerging in American mainstream. It is not certain that the interventionist policy of the European Union and NATO and Ukraine will remain unchanged in the face of evidence 
uh, of the repeated bombardments by Zelensky against the civilians in Donbass and Russian-speaking regions of Ukraine in the face of the success of referendums calling for annexation by Russia and the way that the sanctions against Russia have been total disaster for European countries. Finally, the, conti- uh, the, uh, the contiguity, uh, the contiguity, contiguity of the Biden administration with Kiev could lead to a chain reaction of changes in which Biden sees the precarious electoral consensus he enjoys further eroded. Making support for the puppet government desired by Victoria Nuland cease and consequently allowing for peace negotiations, which until now have been stubbornly hindered by Washington. And given President Trump's political clout and his declared hostility to the American deep state, a peacemaking deal would certainly be closer and more enduring if he were to return to the White House. We know that today's politicians do not have the gift of honoring the commitments that they have made to their electorate. Nonetheless, uh, can we reasonably think that next time prime, uh, the next prime minister will want to review her pro-Atlantic and European positions, returning to the role of being the true right-wing alternative to the hegemony of ordo-liberalism and the woke left? In this case, it would be the voters who would benefit from it, and those who saw themselves betrayed would have no right to claim the violation of Italy's pacts of submission to the European Commission, since they had no right to stipulate them in the first place. So he goes on, um, and you can see where this is all happening. He says, it's difficult to believe that the financial oligarchy has not taken this possibility into account. It is easier to believe that it was precisely in order to manage the exit strategy and contain the damage both on the front of the pandemic and vaccine fraud as well as on the front of the Great Reset, the digital transition, and the green emergency that is strongly desired by the World Economic Forum for ideological reasons and by China for economic reasons. It seems to me that many people are becoming aware of the very serious coup d'etat that is being carried out by supranational powers capable of interfering with a heavy hand with the activities of governments and international bodies. The world of business and work is, being, is beginning to understand the deliberate actions of deconstruction of the national economic fabric that has been carried out first by COVID and then by the war in Ukraine. Every decision, every rule, every decree imposed by Draghi, and we're talking about Italian right there, uh, with or without a parliamentary vote, has been deliberately chosen in order to cause the greatest damage possible for citizens, for companies, employees, for pensioners, and for students. Anything that would have avoided deaths, full hospitals, closed businesses, and, and increases in unemployment has been scientifically excluded, carrying out instead whatever action would be most devastating in blatant contrast to the announced goals. And there's what he said, and he comes out, the market is being allowed to reign unchallenged so that the Amsterdam Stock Exchange can destroy the economy of nations, disproportionately enrich multinational corporations, and serve the interest of the elite that is pressing for the establishment of a technological dictatorship in compliance with the United Nations Agenda 2030, an agenda that today is the object of indoctrination in the schools beginning with elementary grades and which ties PNRR funding to reforms and new unsustainable spending cuts. Georgia Maloney, he's coming to the end now, 
is for the moment a potential prime minister. She is such for those who expect Fratelli d'Italia to be the voice of the true and motivated dissent against the enti- entire political class, and that such acts would strengthen determination without allowing itself to be intimidated. She is a potential prime minister for those who have decided to grant her the trust that others have repeatedly disappointed and betrayed. This is an irrational gesture motivated by growing concern for the fate of the nation and by the idea that an overwhelming majority in Parliament can give the new government certainty of action to make strong choices, for which it will obtain support from the electorate, to which it must respond as an expression of the will of the people. She, Maloney, is a potential Prime Minister because the two preceding prime ministers were anything but leaders since they were simply serving boys serving serving boys for Ursula von der Leyen, Klaus Schwab or Joe Biden. If Georgia Maloney really wants to be a prime minister in actuality and not only potentially, she must first of all stand up against those who have not been elected by anyone and yet presume the power of giving stamps of political presentability to democratically elected heads of government whenever they find themselves in very serious conflicts of interest, beginning with Ursula's text messages to Pfizer CEO Albert Borla negotiating a mega, uh, negotiating a mega deal for vaccines. Continuing with the membership of world leaders in the World Economic Forum and concluding with the Biden's involvement in the financing of NASA biolabs in Ukraine and in the affairs of main energy company in Kiev. Italy is a nation that can recover, as it always has done in the past, if she learns how to recover the pride of her true identity, her true history, her true destiny in the plans of providence. For decades, the Italian people have suffered as a result of decisions taken elsewhere, which have brought them nothing but damage and humiliation. The moment has come to raise our heads, to reject with disdain the resilience, uh, with uh, with disdain the resilience that uh, requires us to be beaten without reacting. The dystopian world of globalism must be rejected and fought against not only for our own sakes, but for the sakes of our children, to whom each of us wants to leave a peaceful future with solid economic prospects for raising a family without feeling marginalized or criminalized because we do not accept resigning ourselves to uh, subversive plans that have been made by those who want to make us eat insects and force us into slavery with the sole purpose of making us poor and controlling us in every aspect of our daily lives. But this I say in conclusion, but this I say as a pastor, addressing myself in particular to Catholics, will be possible only if Italians recognize that the justice, peace, and prosperity of a nation can be obtained only where Christ reigns where his law is observed and where the common good is placed ahead of the personal profit and the thirst for power. Let us turn to the Lord and the Lord will know how to reward our faithfulness. Let us turn with confidence to Mary most holy, our heavenly mother, asking her to intercede with her son for our beloved Italy. Carlo Maria Vigano, Archbishop Apostolic Nuncio. That was yesterday, the 27th. So uh, with that being said, it's 839 a little bit of a roundup of all of this week's events, starting with that Monday show when we talked about elections in Europe and in the United States and beyond. We're going to go on a really quick break. When we come back, the Zells will be on to close out the show. Don't go anywhere, please. Hey, Mike, I 
know you got a lot of problems downtown, but I've got a couple of problems with the house I wish you could take care of. One, I've got some cats parking in front of the house. I can't get office and that garbage truck next to the office. So what I need is a red zone. It's a simple thing you can take care of. Honey, would before. you come here a minute, please? live or download it and take it with you wherever you go while you're driving, walking, working, or <laughs> you dirty dog. For all things, go to quitefrankly.tv. You like what you see? Become a sponsor. Quite Frankly streams live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern wherever you get your podcast. So for everything, it's quitefrankly.tv. Uh, Sensei? Everything all right? We're all gonna die, kid! We're all gonna die! I broke my back. What do you mean by that? You my broke back is broken. What uh, a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. Okay. Hello, Frank Zell, you there? Hey, Frank, what's happening, baby? How you feeling, man? Frank, you hear me? Mr. Zell? I think, is he getting his brother Jim on? I think he's getting Jim on because... Frank? Mom? Dad? <laughs> I don't know where he is. I think maybe... Oh, there he is. Hello. Okay, now we got both Hello. of you? Oh, okay. Everybody's here, Frank. Oh, welcome back to the show, guys. I feel like it's been a, a long time. That's good. Wow. So everybody is off a of speakerphone, right? Speakerphone, right? <laughs> yeah, that was a little, a little confusing, but uh, we got it a little straightened out. All right, wonderful. Yep. Wonderful. Uh, okay, well, first things first, because uh, we, we've got about 18 minutes until the show's over, and I wanted to let you guys talk. Um, and I, I'll ask, the, I'll ask the, the big economic question at the end, because I'm sure you heard something about the Bank of England today. But um, Oh, yes. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll say that to the very end. So let's just have a little bit of a crash course here of what has happened in the Utah situation because it's been a while since we had an update. There has been an arrest. Uh, can you give us a review on who the perp is and what his role has been so far in the, uh, in, in the growing plot here? Jim? Yep, uh, David... Uh David Hamblin was uh, the suspect that was arrested. That's today. a lawyer. He was. Pardon? That was the lawyer, right? David Hamblin was the psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Yeah. Yeah. He, he he was never he was never really named in the documents. We were told early on not even to mention his name. But uh, Hamblin was a therapist. He was a higher up in the Mormon church. 
and he was uh, he was charged with you know aggravated rape, uh, twelve counts in 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 twenty twenty twelve I believe, on um, in a case that the abuse took place in the nineties, and it, it was pretty much one of it was one of his kids that that, that made the charges. And it, and he had two other daughters who may have corroborated uh, their sister's claim. These are adopted, so those, so adopted was, children. Uh, yeah, he had, he had he had three children. Yeah, three but, daughters. But you said it, it, were, are these adopted children? Because there's so many people who are into adopting children in this storyline. I forget who's who. Well, we have to remember David Hamblin. David Levitt was friends with David Hamblin. David Hamblin was an elder at David Levitt's uh, church. Uh, David Levitt and David Hamblin also have a family connection as well. So it's David Hamblin who was the one that was arrested off of charges that were levied and filed by his daughters um, of rape and abuse. So that's why he was arrested. Okay. And when and when when the sheriff's office at the end of May went to the public for help in a ritualistic child sex abuse case, that was the case they were referring to, was the Hamlin case. That's why David Levitt, the county attorney for Utah County, held a press conference, held that bizarre press conference where he admitted knowing Hamlin, admitted a family connection with Hamlin admitted that him and his wife were accused of being involved in it. That's how all that craziness started with the uh, county attorney. Wow. was all because of Hamlin. And a lot of uh, outlets did not, they never referred to Hamlin by name. It was always the therapist. So this has gone on since the end of May, and here we are at the end of September. It's really not that long. I mean, it seems like for, you know, these cases take forever, but it's, you know, for no. what they're working on. No, it's not long at all considering how uh, how other more, um, you know, publicly evident crimes are just, they don't they don't go anywhere. The fact that this is only a couple of months that here here is the actual case that inspired that very public address that you were talking about that peaked, at least perked our ears up. That's a, this is this is that's very significant. Yeah, I mean, this is what everybody always talked about. I, you know, they always cover these things up. There's never an arrest. Well, the police, and I've been saying this in the beginning. You know, me and my brother, we're usually skeptical of the police. We've worked plenty of cases over the years, over decades, where the complete where the police are complicit, or they're stone they're stonewalling, or they're protecting others in the community. It happens all the time. This is not the case with you guys. They went to the public for help because they needed the public's help. They needed more information. They needed more witnesses. So they admitted it. Nobody would even know about it if it wasn't for them. And we've, you know, we've acquired sources in different arenas when it comes to this case. I got a couple of cop sources. They've never lied. They've never stonewalled. They've been as helpful as they can. They know who we are and what we do. So obviously they can't tell us everything. I knew there was eventually going to be an arrest because I've been keeping in touch and they keep on saying, we're working the case, we're getting more tips, we're working it, we're working it. And then out of nowhere, boom, 
they arrest Hamlin today. Now, it's not like they got him and it's like, oh, he was just arrested on a separate abuse case. No, this is, this is an arrest due to the investigation of that case. So those tips that came in, uh, 130 or so, probably more by now, the majority of those tips, they said, panned out. And they caught a break somehow, some way, either additional victims came forward and corroborated what those girls said back when, or the girls were able to provide evidence which was corroborated. And that, and that made the arrest happen, one or the other. Now, now uh, I, w- w- you're reminding everybody right there of how many, how many people came forward, uh, at least 130 witnesses that came forward no, that, that led no to tips. this. We, we, or tips, we, 130 or tips, tips plus. Um, yeah. That is huge because there's probably much more. And I would have to imagine that that is also probably making David Levitt uh, sweat a lot more because this is not going to be relegated to one person, especially all this activity uh, with the, you know, the abuse and the rituals and the trading of children and all that stuff. It is obviously uh, group oriented and network oriented. So um, this is this cannot all this cannot be um, isolated. I'm sure plenty of those tips have dropped other names other than Hamblin. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, my one source at the sheriff's office, I've uh, I've asked them. I say, you know, this information, you know, is it solely focused on what you're doing, or are there other agencies that you're, you know, that you're working with, and it's kind of going off in a different direction? And he's like, some of the tips we have given to other departments. Now he he they did not say that. It wasn't part of their investigation. Remember, this is like a, it's not just Utah County Sheriff's Office, there's other groups involved. And what tends to happen in cases like this, when something breaks loose in the news and it becomes a big story and it shines a light on, on, this, on a case like this, you'll see arrests in the community that'll, that'll happen boom, boom, boom. It's almost like they stagger them. And in the area, you've had a former mayor get arrested, uh, an attorney get arrested, and Jim, who was the other one? And the, F, and the FBI employee. Yeah, and an FBI employee in the area. That's within the past couple of months. So what do you, got, what do you guys so, think? Because, uh, like I said, we have about 10 minutes left, so I want to use this time wisely. What do you guys think is coming next? Uh, well, first question is, well, has all this been archived on inthezeller.com so people who are unfamiliar or need a crash course of what's been going on from the beginning, that they can go there from the beginning of your coverage to now? Is it all up to date? It's all up to date from pretty much May 31st to now, all the major events of the case. And I will be once again, in a case like this, this is what everybody always asks for when they when they hear all these crazy cases. How come there's, there's, there's never an arrest or all, the police always stonewall? The victim statements, if you've never read them, they're so graphic and so brutal and deal with Satanism. There are, these, you're dealing with powerful people in the community who are child rapists and Satanists. Now, once again, not illegal to be a Satanist. That may be your 
reason behind you're doing what you're doing, but they want to arrest you on the child rape. That's their ultimate goal. And now you got one. There's been an arrest made in this case. And we've been told, Jim, go ahead. Yeah, and I, what and your I source was, say? Yeah, I was just sent a text by someone who is very involved in this case, not per se law enforcement, but extremely involved and extremely knowledgeable. And they sent me this, and I'm reading it from my text. I was told that Hamblin would be the first. They are approaching it in rings based on the group's leadership. Can't mention much, but investigations are still ongoing for those listed in victims' three statements. Wow. So you can hear the you can hear how he's phrasing that. They're approaching it in rings of based on the group's leadership. So you can either you can look at it at twofold. Child sex rings, yeah. But you can also talk about groups' leadership. Now you're looking at the church. The church. Church. Probably both. You're looking at it. So you're looking at it like we talked about it early on that there's a church within the church. Now let me ask you this: They're masquerading. I'm sorry, Frank. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I got that last part. They're masquerading. Um, uh, yeah. So that from your experience. Uh, what are they doing as far as working within certain circles? Are they going for bottom feeders to be able to get up to leadership, or are they trying to snag leadership to to get a hold of complete registrars of of uh, people who are involved? What 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 would the approach be? Would it be going for the little fish first, or what? Well, Hamblin's definitely not a little fish. Right. That's, That's what I'm asking. <laughs> I mean, he's, he, he's close friends with, uh, or was a close friend with, with David Levitt. We've been told that Hamblin connects to other people that uh, have, have been in the news out there. I mean, it's, it, it, it runs the gamut in their community from the lower end of society to businessmen and business owners and church leaders. When you read the victim statements from the original charges, you see how large there's groups, there's multiple groups. It wasn't just Hamlin's kids being abused. There were other families that were involved in this coven or whatever you want to call it, this, uh, this satanic group. And they brought their kids over to be abused. You're talking, there were families, multiple, you know, eight, nine, ten families with kids that were involved. And it spread. And it spread. These people followed each other out of state to do these things. Arizona, Utah, New York City. They would follow each other. And there were people in other states that they were connected to. It, it is absolutely huge. They're just, they got them. It's a monster of a case. And, and Frank, yeah, yeah. also a, a, uh, a psychiatrist that I was talking to that handled some ritual abuse cases out in Utah, who was very familiar, uh, said something to the extent of that out in Utah, the people that are involved in this type of stuff, you have some, you have you, there are rings, multiple rings, somewhere they operate independently of each other, but know of each other and trade kids with each other. 
okay? And they said it's the, the person, the psychiatrist was trying to explain it to me. She goes, think about it as uh, mob families. Yeah. Right? They're all doing dirty stuff, but they operate independently of each other. But sometimes they interact with each other. So that's what's going on in Utah. Wow. And, and the thing that this is just one little area where the, uh, the, the, the surface, surface has been scratched and what has, is un, un, uh, underneath has been just peeked into. And uh, most people think, oh, that's, that's unfortunate, thinking that this is some kind of isolated incident. But uh, who the hell knows? You guys, uh, thank you again for all this great work. Uh, Inthezeller.com. Can't wait to see what comes next. I wish we had more time to talk about Netflix and this Jeffrey Dahmer thing. Have you guys seen it yet? Um, no, I mean, I, you know, I just dabbled into some... Dahmer's a fascinating thing because he knew he was sick. Yeah, and there was this weird separation be- between his his wanting to be loved and being lonely, and it morphed into something horrific. And if anybody could have been studied and you could have learned something from him, it was Dahmer. But unfortunately, right? No, I, but anyway, I, Frank. Before you go, Bank of England. Yeah, what that's you want the, to say about the Bank of England. That was the next thing I was going to ask you. Well, the Dahmer thing. That, that's a you can't. We can't talk about that in three minutes. But maybe this. I saw in the Washington Post the UK central bank intervenes in market halt uh, in the market to halt economic crisis uh i we if there's a clip that's being pushed around the bank of england said it would buy long-term government bonds over the next two weeks to combat a recent slide in british financial assets the bank's actions are focused on long-term government debt where yields have soared in recent days pushing up government borrowing costs um some people are going are speaking as severely as uh as the bank is going down, shit is hitting the fan, and and that this is not just some temporary bump in the road. What do you guys see, real quick? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you real quick what they did. The whole thing was going to collapse in England. The whole thing. You're talking their entire uh, pension system was on was going to. That's how fast it can happen. It was going to happen overnight. The yield spiked. Their pensions uh, were heavily invested in their bond market, and since they were heavily invested, when the yield spiked, a cash call happened. We call it here a margin call. They were going to have to come up with money, which would have left 90 to 95% of their pension funds insolvent. Wow. Like that, overnight, they had to step in, do quantitative easing, pretty much bail them out for whatever they did, $69 billion. That's a drop in the bucket. It won't last that long. Now, in the, in the world we live in, up is down, black is white. The market celebrate because that happened. That's good news. So Bitcoin goes up. The markets reacted with joy because they think the spigot. They did that to to keep from collapsing from their, from pretty much their economy collapsing overnight. That's how fast it can happen. Yeah, truly. Truly fascinating. And one thing on Nord Stream, that's us. That's not really us attacking Russia. That's us hamstringing Europe, and yeah. in specific, specifically Germany. Remember, we talked about this in April. We weren't the number one supplier of natural gas to Europe. We were number three, four, five, somewhere on the list. Before the war started, we positioned ourselves. And once that war happened, we forced everybody to drop the contracts that Russia had signed to provide them with natural gas. And we started scooping them up. 
So now Russia's been doing this thing with Nord Stream where they, where they keep on turning the spigot on, turning the spigot off. And they were at 40% capacity, I think, sending it to Germany. Well, you know what? That's, that's Uncle Sugar's money. That's our money. And we're going to take it. So all of a sudden, they can attack on Nord Stream. Now, where are they going to come? Where are they going to go for natural gas? They're going to come to us. We put, we put ourselves in an exact position to benefit by providing natural gas to Europe. Since Russia can't do it, we're going to do it, and we're going to get paid well to do it. And that's how geopolitics works. I'll tell you. That's it. I, well, hey, I, I appreciate you guys. And I, as I said before, I it's like, you know, every time we get to a new plateau, we say, this is crazy. This is nuts. I always want, I said, okay, well, we our head is up against the ceiling now. The water level is rising. I mean, the, 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 the next move is just going to be the, the boom. And then something else happens. It's like, how much more, how much worse can it get? Or, or how much, uh, how much more with the anticipation? But still, um, holy, holy shit, man! I'll tell you the patience, the patience over there in Russia, because as you said, it was it was oh, more yeah, unbelievable. It's an, an unbelievable patience from Russia, um, unbelievable. They they they, they, tr- they try to they try to uh, paint them as desperate, but uh, but everything that has been done by a party that does not technically have any claim to be in this war. Oh, everything that has been done and unanswered for is really incredible. I, I don't <laughs> shit. Oh, uh, well, anyway. Eventually, eventually, Frank, you know, they're going to lose they're going to lose their patience. And what the surprise is, six months down the road, a year down the road, you walk outside your house to get some milk and you see missiles flying in the air. It wouldn't surprise me in the freaking least. No. It would. They warned us and warned us and warned us. We are a, we are dangerous to the world. We're an economic liability. We we try we try to force everybody to do things our way. And now we're going to try to remove Russia from the world stage. How do you think they're going to react to save their society? They deem it as an attack. Putin says he said it in multiple speeches. This is an you know, attack on their sovereignty. Sorry. I mean, it's it's you know they've been trying to have peace. And we keep on intervening and stopping any peace talks or peace negotiations. We have deliberately sabotaged it from the get-go. Yeah. Every time that there tries to be a peace settlement, we always intervene and stop it. It's like, you know, just like what happened in England with the quantitative easing starting back up, that's going to happen back here as well. That's only a matter of time before we start, you know, uh, doing the quantitative easing again because we can collapse it's just as quick too so who knows how long this game is going to go on but you know russia yeah it wouldn't surprise me if russia finally uh, did something monumental because they were pushed to it well know? the uh, first step right, you, go ahead no go ahead no no no, no. What, what were you saying no i was going to say you know my brother this, wow i don't know how long ago frank you talked about the great the great reset you know during the covid you know and how they were going to do it was it biological by, by, I've been saying that for like 15 years. That they, they were, yeah, were going to enter us biological or nuclear. We got the biological out of the way. The last, the last one will be nuclear. How, whether it be missiles flying through the air or somebody smuggles something into this country, all you got to do is take out two cities, and that's it for us. Yeah, we no, it's a superpower, and then others take the world stage. Anyway, you know where you got to go, Frank. Unfortunately, you're right. 
unfortunately, you're right. It's you're always very clear, and uh, the, the reality always coalesces around your theories to back it up. Unfortunately, too. But uh, I, I appreciate yeah. you guys making time for me, and I hope we can do this again soon because we're going into the cold, dark, spooky months, and we got to do some spooky shit together. There's always Randy Frank. Yes, yes, no, yeah. That, that's it's always Randy. That's the big one. All right, guys, have a good one, and yeah. s- send my best to your families. All right, Frank, have a good night, man. Thanks, Frank, appreciate it. Nighty-night. There you go. The Zells, Frank and Jim, go to In the Zeller, like In the Cellar, but Z-E-L-L-A-R, InTheZeller.com, and you can go back to May and follow this story with Utah all the way up till now, and... um Go through the archives and find every other show that they appeared on, and it was probably a really, really mind-blowing thing there. Uh, over to Foxhole real quick, just to make sure that we've gotten everything out of the way. Sean Joe, thank you. Judy the Lady Pug, thank you. Amazington, thanks, Frank, for covering Archbishop Vigano. Uh, Wookie Woods, sorry about last night's communication error. I forget what that one is, uh, Wookie, but forgiven. Now, everybody, please go over to quitefrankly.tv where you will be served refreshments and wonderful after-hours programming by the network crew. I want to thank everybody on Rumble and Twitch and YouTube and DLive and Theta and all the rest. Dooku Dan says, Red Dragon Satan is in Charles' coat of arms. Biden's speech bathed in red light. Lightbearer, Lucifer, Queen dies seven days later. Charles installed same day. Seven significance in the U.S. Yeah, actually, uh, Ryan... Uh, Gable was talking a lot about that last night. Dan? The gentleman caller says, Salutations, Frank. What Mr. Phoenix talked about with the sign and the important thing that's happened under them as shown on the visual aids, um, does that field have specific name? Also, did uh, did did ancient mythology lead to occult studies or are they entwined? Please send me those questions in email, gentleman caller, so I have them on on ice for the next time that Robert Phoenix comes on, which I hope is is soon. So uh, go ahead and send that over to me, and thank you all again and again and again. I will see you tomorrow, 7 o'clock, for the Thursday night show. And with that, I leave you in the loving arms of quitefrankly.tv, See you over there. I'll be in the chat room before you know it. Become a sponsor, please, ladies and gentlemen. It will help out a lot. Independent media, independent entertainment. This is the way of the world now. A dollar goes a long way. If even just 1% of this audience pledged a dollar a month on quitefrankly.tv or Subscribestar, it would be a game changer. Game changer. And I'm always looking for new ways to add value to all of you monthly subscribers, so I appreciate you. And if it's not in the cards right now, please share the show with everybody you know. Talk to you soon, and be well. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Dooku Dan, The Gentleman Caller, Mike and Robin, Stostube, Claire Bear, Incompetent Hands, Brother Noomsy. It's been a wonderful night. Thank you so much, and I will see you tomorrow.